Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Extra special. Yeah, just yeah. We try to do the sound effects, but we're really not very sophisticated. Uh, let's see, Carolyn. How do we get this started? You and I usually do a little bit of bantering on the front end. Yes, I think yes. I think that's probably at least proves would yeah, be more accurate. Proves that we have a bit of a sense of humor, although that may be questionable in of itself. Uh, speaking of which, oh boy. <laughs> So I'll get started. And speaking of which, uh, Carolyn, do you think people are born with a conscience? Is this our opening question? <laughs> well, we did. Just let's dispense with the bantering. Let's just go. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I was I was thinking Happy Easter, but no, we'll just go right to that. <laughs> do I think people are born with a conscience? Was that the question? It is. Hmm. Well, well, well. Okay, so. Since, okay, am I going to go practical or am I going to go spiritual on this one? Uh, since we are made in the image of God, then I would say yes, even if we are not followers of Christ, then we still have an innate knowing of good and evil. And, and then when the scripture would point out, the Bible... Uh, would point out that all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, mm-hmm. and we're born into original sin. Mm-hmm. What then? I know these are they're really theological sort of questions. Yeah. What then do you think happens to the conscience? Because hmm. that all sounds good, and I'm not even. I would not even want to suggest. I don't agree with you, but I'm just asking some of those questions. Okay. What do I think happens to the conscious when? Well, the Bible says we're born into sin. All of right. you know, falling short of the glory of God. Right. Uh, iniquity, and that we need salvation. Well, I think when we... If you're born with a conscience, it's part of our nature. God's put us in us. And then what happens to it? I think that depends on whether or not you allow the Holy Spirit to enter into your conscience which then sort of becomes your conscious because then it will speak to you much like your conscience does. But if you don't allow the Holy Spirit in, I think you still have a conscience, but it is not Christ in you leaning that direction. It's a sin nature, but we still know, you know, right from wrong, but... I would say people, this may sound mean, people are inherently evil that, you know, we're capable. Sometimes, one time somebody said that to me. She's like, I'm, you're capable of anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I had to question that. I'm making a face, listeners. Because I was like, well, I wouldn't murder somebody. Mm-hmm. But in the right circumstance, if it was the right situation, who knows what I would do? So just because I say that you know we have a conscience we know right from wrong doesn't necessarily mean that we wouldn't choose wrong choose evil because we're born with sin nature but I think when we allow the Holy Spirit in then it takes over and then speaks to us in that way I think it's all about resurrection 
I, I don't disagree with any of the things that you're saying. I guess, for the most part. There's the banter. I was trying to commit them to memory as you were going through. It's not like creating my short list of the most important points that I was taking out of what you're saying, so I could make it relevant, right? My comment, my commentary, or my okay. response. You uh, think that through so well, and and I think that's a great logic model. You know, it's it's all well, it's sound. It's off the top of my head. So. Yeah, but that's how we start, right? We start with okay, well, where does this all begin? And then we kind of go through yeah. our memories and the catalog of all the Bible verses and what we know about Scripture, and and that's okay. I think most people probably need to realize it is perfectly all right not to know every word, every verse in the Bible. And I would want to encourage them, <laughs> encourage them in more than one way. I'm sure we do. In more than one way. We're living proof of it. You do not have to know every scripture, every word of the Bible. Not so that we would mislead people, but it's a discovery. You know, you open the Bible or you have a thought. And you begin to think about it. And you try to put it together. And then it's a discovery. And then you may go back and have to dig up, and you should, the details of it. But generally, if you already have a thought in mind and then you go to Scripture and try to prove it, that's probably more about you than it is about God. Mm -hmm. Which kind of brings us back to our point about a conscience. Because I wish it were to be that way, you know, that it would just be in me. It'd be all packaged, prepackaged in me, and I would not have to worry about all of the details of it. I would just have to operate or allow it to operate in uh, the way that God intentioned in optimal sort of manner or means or way. But, but I don't know that that isn't true. He is. The Holy Spirit is in me. The divine nature is in me. But as much as the scripture would suggest that the devil comes along and steals it, then it needs to be resurrected. Uh, and possibly that's everything in a nutshell. Is that genuinely we're good and from the inside out as God's created us. What happens though is the iniquity is either the vulnerability to Satan, his manipulations, as with a material dimension, or just the simple fact that to get there, you've got to go through these stages that leave you at vulnerability or great risk in terms of the bodily development, psychological, emotional included, physiological. But some point along the way, if you do indeed have a conscience, then it needs to be resurrected in some manner, shape, or form. And I do believe that everything in Scripture is about resurrection. Now, you could argue, well, he's really not talking about the conscience, talking about the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people, I think, still under the conception that the Holy Spirit, and I didn't say misconception, just said the conception that the Holy Spirit has to then come into them. And I don't maybe entirely disagree with that. But it seems to me more likely it's like a seed that you put in the ground. When you plant it, you really can't even see it. You're hoping it's going to come up and you look for the shoot. And, you know, you have to cultivate it. You have to water it. You have to keep the weeds out of it. You hopefully put some plant food on it or whatever. I'm not really good with gardening, so that's about the extent of my knowledge of that. But I do think, though, that if you think it has to come into you in that way, 
And, and then how that happens, it still seems like it has to somehow be stirred up, uh, created. But see, when I go there, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not sure there's anything anybody could do in a natural sense to create that. You know, I don't create the plant. I just put the seed in. Now, you could say, well, we're at a point with science that we can begin to create. No, I don't think so. We're at a point with science that we're beginning to see the smallest of elements and, and understand how they interact or relate. But I'm not sure that we, could, we can't create life. So right? I was just thinking. You can't create life. We can foster it, facilitate it, <laughs> and believe me, I've almost killed or I thought I've killed some plants that have come back. <laughs> Well, I was thinking about the parable of the sower and about how we plant seeds and we hope for the best. You know, we see people and we try to invest in them. And we think, well, I'm sowing a seed. People say that. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to come to Christ. But we plant the seed. And I was thinking about life. And I was thinking we can't really make life happen. Only God can do that. So I see where you're going with this. I understand that. I think that it's still a choice. Somebody chose to accept and turn to to be resurrected, I guess, is how we would look at that. Because it's not necessarily something that just happens as far as, like you said, the seed. Just because we put the seed down doesn't mean it's going to grow. So because man was created in the image of God doesn't necessarily mean he's going to follow God. Mm. So True. Well... It's confusing. I think that's mostly true. But but that, you know... Well, help me understand it. <laughs> well, no, no, I think you're right. It just begs the question of, okay, well, then the devil knew enough about the evil, knew enough about humans, that, you know, we go back to the first, Adam and Eve, and, I mean, he was already working. Yeah. So, so, you know, and I know the devil is a human, mm -hmm. but he certainly understands the human dimension. Right. And certainly there is Jesus again in the garden and all that. So, so this idea, though, that it's still kind of hard to wrap your head around if you're not a born a bad seed, you're not born evil or bad, and you can't then get that, you know, you can't like just magically get that. It has to be in you. At the same time, though, you have to understand where that point of either acceptance or rejection, and then maybe that's where it turns evil, is when you sear your conscience, when you totally uh, harden your heart, you, you're, you're not receptive to. But I'm not even sure, you know, that's a choice in a conscious way. We have conscience way, mm -hmm. conscious, conscious, not conscience, but a conscious way. Mm -hmm. We have to make that choice, as you were pointing out. And, and everyone, everyone has the choice. And so there's always agency and liberty and freedom that goes into that. But I'm not even sure then that that isn't something that unless you work really, really hard at it, you know, just can continue to reject the message, reject the message. I don't know that anyone's beyond salvation. I don't know. What do you think? I would think not. I mean, I would think that John 3, 16, that God, you know, wants everyone to be in relationship with him. So I don't, I don't put levels of sin. So when, what was his name? 
the serial killer that James Dobson interviewed and people had Ted Bundy and people have a hard time thinking that, well, how does he, you know, get into heaven? Somebody like that. Well, he put his faith in Christ like you did, like I did. And so I don't really believe anybody is beyond salvation unless, <laughs> and beyond the offer, but they still have to receive to choose it. They or choose to receive it. Ooh. Because God doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force us to choose him. Free will. So we choose him. But a person cannot choose him and that be their choice. And then thus they've rejected him. And, you know, so nobody's going to be uh, forced to follow him. I agree. Finally. (laughs) But we're not done. But wait, there's more. Wait, there's more. (laughs) Romans 2, and we won't read it, but I will try to remind as much as we can, you as well as our listeners, since you're not prepared. But Paul argues that idea of the law and those that are circumscribed versus the uncircumscribed. and, And I think he argues not in a defensive way. He argues like we're doing right now. And maybe this is all part of bantering. Maybe it's just a deeper level of that. We're going back and forth. But, but isn't that what we're supposed to do? And, and maybe not entirely out of the intellect. We have to trust that, again, gets us back to further evidence of Him being in us, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we have to understand that the law calls us, calls, C-A-L-L-S, us, to an appreciation of the standard. And we need a standard. Why? Because maybe in our innocence or immaturity, age accountability, somewhat (laughs) many years, several years, uh, some say they can made or have made the decision of salvation as young as five, six. It took me 14. So, So I was a slow learner. Uh, my development was a little bit delayed. But, you know, maybe that's it, too. Maybe it's just our awareness, our conscious awareness of what's in us. And how, as a child, and in that, that's why innocence is there. Or there's, this, there's the age of accountability. Before that age, then God protects us and covers us, and we're not held accountable. Maybe that's why also in Old Testament, most of those folks, I do believe, got a bit of a pass on all their ignorance because they were probably the equivalent of kids. You could say, well, no, you know, Adam lived to be, what, 800, 900,000, whatever it was, years old. He couldn't be a kid. And, you know, you could argue, well, a day is a thousand years before God. I mean, you can get into all that stuff. And I don't think that, I'm not saying that doesn't have merit. All I'm trying to say, though, is you can't convince me Adam had any better conceptualization of life than my son did when he was three or four. Now, he grew up pretty quick, and uh, obviously he was, he was a fast learner and understood it, and it was the sweat of his brow. And uh, if there was going to be anything else that was going to go on with the woman, it was going to be having babies, and then all of the things that were otherwise part of the re- requiem of being a mom. But I don't think they fully even got to maybe adolescence in so many ways. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about your mom before we came on 
uh, <laughs> come on the air, sat down to actually record. Used to go on the air because we were on broadcast. Mm-hmm. Now we're just over the podcast. But, you know, I'm not sure my mom and dad at times when I look back at them in their life, I'm not sure they were really mature. Now, there's a lot of things that I'm sure my sons are going to say about me in that way. And maybe that's part of it, too, is maturity is somewhat relative to the circumstance, the condition in material regards that we're placed in. But some days I wish I could be like my dad. You know, when he was young, he was running around the woods up to his 20, 21. All he had to worry about was his eight-cylinder Chevy and, you know, and enjoying my mom and going out to dinner with each other when they had a little bit of money. And, you know, they had a nice rancher home, like two-bedroom, three-bedroom. They thought it was like the best thing in the world. And probably compared to some of the people that they grew up with, it was. But they weren't anywhere near where we are today mm-hmm. about all this craziness. And you can say, well, that's the point. You know, we've created such craziness out of our own lack. There, Maybe that's the iniquity. Our lack of true appreciation. We're searing our conscience even as we speak. Because I think sometimes our conscience is just saying, go out and enjoy the sun. Mm-hmm. Go out and... You know, kind of plant some things, work around in the garden, go out and have some fun with your friends. It's okay to have dinner together. Just me. relax. Enjoy things. But that's not really the way of the world. Me, me, me. Me. <laughs> Everything you said is to satisfy me. No. And I think when we become me-centered and our thoughts center around that, that's where it starts getting dangerous. And I was thinking about those Old Testament people. They had such a different life and awareness, their knowledge, their maturity had to be different because look at where they were. They, they didn't have the whole Bible. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have God in their hearts. They just relied on, you know, messages from the prophets and flames coming down. And, you know, they were, they were used to the temple and, and things like that and sacrifices. They had a completely different life. So I would assume, yes, their thoughts of maturity level was different because their whole life was different. They didn't have what we have now, like you said, sort of like with your parents and you. So I think Paul in Romans makes the case that that for those that know the law or were taught the law as with God gave them the law, then they weren't necessarily to a higher standard than those that were still in their immaturity. But maybe that whole thing is just about our consciousness, not our conscience. Maybe that whole thing is just about how we conceive of things in human regard and what we think is of right order or not. And Paul also gets into judgment and talks about just that, that we can't judge anyone. Or if there's any judgment that takes place, it's within the individual. Mm -hmm. It's not something I can do about you or you can do about me. Now, I can estimate where your maturity might be, or I can even appreciate where your maturity might be. And, and maybe that's, again, we'll go ahead and further that a little bit more. The, the divide would be between the carnal knowledge and the true spiritual discernment and wisdom. 
But it seems to me if there's going to be a resurrection, it would not be getting to the point or the place of realizing there's all this work to do in this world, or at least there's going to be the temptation of doing all of these things. Mm -hmm. Because that's the human apparatus. And we should get really, really good at operating within emotions, thinking, thought. We should get really good at, at acquiring knowledge and uh, practicing reasoning and logic and, and all those wonderful operations, cognitive we call them operations, that go along with a fully developed brain. And by the time that you get to be at the age of accountability, it should be fully operational. But all that's going to do is kill you. Because you're never really going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you might even think, well, it'll be easier if somebody's outside of you looking at you, because we know subjectivity is really what dams in terms of science, D-A-M-N-S or whatever, in terms of science, you know, because corrupts us. It's like I was saying about the Bible. You don't go to the Bible with a premise, and then you try to find evidence to support right. it. You go to the Bible open-minded, and you want to read, and you want to start mm -hmm. to put all this together. And, and again, these, we're practicing human intellect and rationality and reasoning mm -hmm. in our conversations on the podcast. That's how we start. But somewhere between the beginning, and we do usually do a bit more bantering, but somewhere between the beginning and the end, the Holy Spirit takes over. Mm -hmm. and, and He is resurrected. And not that we would then otherwise be operating out of too much of a stronghold, but there's precedence in an empirical way. And if, and if that were to be true, that in our innocence and immaturity, as with the Old Testament, they didn't even know what they didn't know, or my mom and dad didn't even yes. realize what they didn't realize, there's no way in the world you could convince me my grandmother would ever believe what's going on in the world today would be going on in the world today. Mm -hmm. She could not have conceived of that. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that when you get to that age of accountability and you get to this point when you've got it all together and maybe you go to school and certainly you finish, used to be elementary school, that was something back in my grandma's day, uh, middle school, high school, maybe they're all in one room, one building, maybe they're all together, which might have been a better model in some sort of ways. Especially if there's a bit of morality or this law, a general understanding of what the do's and the don'ts are in life. But, you know, by the time you get to high school and college and you graduate and you think you're ready to go at it, that's when you begin to really realize mm -hmm. you don't have it. Mm -hmm. You can't. You're not going to be able to even begin to imagine what two years from now holds. COVID, just to COVID, two, three years ago, who would have ever imagined within that three-year window the world could change like, that was mm -hmm. my me snap my finger. Mm -hmm. Well, you said earlier about when they or we, somebody gets there. And in my mind, I was saying, well, where is there? Because we don't really ever arrive you know, there's not a point that we're done. Like, I've learned everything I can learn. I've matured as much as I've matured. It's, I mean, there's no destination point that we can just stop. And so I feel like it's always ongoing. It's going to always be that. And, you know, that age of accountability, you can't un... You know how you hear people say you can't unsee something. You can't unknow what you've learned. But I also think you can't necessarily be held accountable for things that you don't know. 
So, you know, if someone, we can't preach to somebody that doesn't, that's not aware, but then once they become aware, that's a whole nother ball game because then you know it and then you, you know that you've been exposed to it and then you can be held responsible, held accountable. But I feel like there's no arrival. We're going to keep learning and keep growing and keep maturing even emotionally, even as adults, not just in our spiritual awareness, but overall, I don't want to quit learning. Like I don't want to quit evolving. I know I've been resurrected, but I want to continue to follow down the path. Well, and that would be then the whole idea of salvation, right? Because we know we're resurrected in the sense of we've accepted this. Mm-hmm. What we're saying, mm-hmm. right? This is the end of all knowledge or the beginning of true wisdom mm-hmm. is respect of God and the idea that there's only so much that we can do. But we've gotten to that point, even in our conversation. We've gotten to this point chronologically, developmentally. I mean, you can measure that across several different continuums, but it all kind of ends in the same place. Mm -hmm. And that is, there's a realization that comes to you, you can't do it. Now, what you do then with that revelation Mm -hmm. is entirely up to you. But the revelation also needs to include, though, that you are not without or you are not empty or devoid of an answer. But the answer only comes when you can acknowledge not only do you need help, but that there is only one that can help you. Mm -hmm. And it can't be you in an identity sort of way, because again, that's that subjective. And you would think somebody from the outside, I was going to say that earlier, could see you better and judge you. That kind of works. We do some of that in diagnostics or in trying to assess a problem. But that doesn't work completely or entirely Mm -hmm. because I'm doing the judging and I'm still subject to just that, the subjective. But when the Holy Spirit really, you acknowledge that he is within you, and even if you may have a general conscience operational, it needs to be resurrected or it fortunately gets resurrected when you make that confession. Mm-hmm. You need saving. You need a savior. You need one that can then bring that back or bring to you a dimension that you can't otherwise see yourself. Mm-hmm. So that you can begin to understand it's not going to come from outside of you. And that's what I was trying to say at the very beginning of our conversation. You know, I like that idea that you go out and you acquire it. The Holy Spirit comes into you in that way. But that's too close to, for me, it being outside of you. And in a material sense, most people who are seeking the Lord don't realize or understand the nature, the divine nature well enough or a personal relationship with Jesus well enough to even be able to admit it or confess it. More so, know where to go get it. You know, they can admire people that seem to have it. It sort of registers. You could take it. We could take it to love and say, well, everybody knows love. And that's true. I think the Holy Spirit, God, is love and that the divine nature has that dimension of it. Through the Spirit being love. But this idea, though, that it's got to be in you. But what it takes to bring it out of you or to trigger it, Maybe that's what we're saying. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's not you when folks come see us. Mm -hmm. But it's the Holy Spirit in us that brings that out of us. Or if there is a testimony that they see, Mm -hmm. that's the testimony. 
And I think the Apostle Paul, for the sake of, I have no idea where this is going today, for the sake of Romans 2, mm-hmm. I think that's what he was trying to say about the uncircumcised. Uncircumcised. Yeah, uncircumcised. Is that the Hebrew people were judging them as inferior. They're heathen. Mm-hmm. No, they're innocent. Well, look, they're children. No, look, they're like old. And then some of them are like doing bad things. they like really, really bad things. And Paul was saying, wait a minute, guys. You have to think about this in, in ladies. You have to think about this in different terms. Do they have a heart? Have you forgotten the Holy Spirit? Or do you even know the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Have you even come to this point as Nicodemus did when he met with Jesus? Have you, John 3, mm-hmm. 16. Mm-hmm. Have you, and this is your favorite verse, have you gotten to the point where you realize you have to be born again. You have to be resurrected in this way. Because if you haven't, then we're still talking to kids. And so you have to make it real basic. Milk. Milk. Which doesn't mean that he was cursing. He said that in Romans. It wasn't two. It went on three Romans. That's what the whole thing was. Church in Rome. Mm -hmm. But the Hebrew people. Not church, I guess. But the Hebrew people. But the idea, though, is that we have to minister to those individuals mm-hmm. in a carnal way, out of a conscious mind, with that recognition. But we have to then remember the Holy Spirit needs to be resurrected, not only in them, but we need to allow Him to have precedent in us, or we're not. We're just going to come across as judgmental. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking more internally. I'm considering your point and I'm thinking of Jesus behold I stand at the door and knock so we know that's not a physical literal thing that he's outside our house knocking to come in so he's in us knocking at our heart's door that's something you feel on the inside that's not something that somebody handed you a tract or you know even a bible verse but that's something that the Holy Spirit that was stirring within you. So that's an inside job. And he was already there speaking to you. So I would venture to say that it's already inside of us. But we still have to accept that and open that door. Well, I think that's what you were saying at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Was that it was all in us, our nature. But I don't disagree with you. I do think you can sear your conscience mm-hmm. and like oh, spoil yeah. children sometimes. They're mm-hmm. just so oppositional, defiant mm-hmm. that they're not going to do what you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. They just, I don't know, you could, I mean, it does seem like sometimes it's genetic. I mean, some kids are just naturally inclined to be argumentative and defiant. <laughs> but I do believe, though, that you would, as a parent, really have mine wasn't so much that way. But that's why I say I believe as a parent. Uh, you would, another, would maybe have a real struggle with, do I kill them? <laughs> or do I feel sorry for them and let them kill me? And we know that no spoiled child should really be able to overthrow the law, right? Mm-hmm. But that also is sort of descriptive of where we are today. I'm going to take a break. Remind our listeners, you're listening to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. But that's another thing, too. I mean, you could go kill them. I mean, the Apostle Paul knew both sides of that. Mm -hmm. And you could say, well, he was like a really good parent on both sides of that. To the Hebrew people, 
as an Israelite, as a Pharisee. He knew exactly what it was like to, to follow the law. Do what you're told. We're going to learn it. We're going to teach it. You can, you, he tried in his intellect. Mm -hmm. Tried to make sure he did that perfectly well. Mm -hmm. And then he found that you can't. Mm -hmm. And he had that moment on the road to Damascus uh, where he was changed when Jesus came to him. And the, the blindness set in because there's that moment when you're stunned. Mm -hmm. You know, you really don't know. And then all of a sudden you begin to realize, ah, I see it now. I see it in a way that I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I don't have the capacity to be perfect. I want to be perfect. And that you can't curse that. I mean, what parent would curse their child for what to be perfect? He said, Lord. I think he, at that moment he... He realized he was not, <laughs> he was not, not Lord. he was not awesome. Like he thought he uh, said, Lord, right there at that moment. And people debate whether or not he got saved right at that moment, but he recognized whether or not how you feel about it. He recognized that he was not God and that there was a God and he was, you know, bowing down to it. So, and so if his heart had gotten hardened mm -hmm. and trying to be the right way, noble Pursuit that it is, mm -hmm. right way according to God, righteousness according to the rules. Mm -hmm. You come to a point where all the things that he thought were messing him up, corrupting him, uh, he wanted to kill them. Mm -hmm. The stoning of Stephen. He wanted to kill them. Yeah. He all of a sudden began to realize, no, they're kids. They're immature. No, which doesn't mean, again, he couldn't get rough them up sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or in all the epistles, he would say some really pointed things. And maybe he reverted back to the, you know, the strong-willed parent, so to speak. But when you got a strong-willed child in response to you know, that, or you have to be a strong-willed parent in response to the child being strong-willed, you have to sometimes hold a line. Mm -hmm. You don't kill the person. Mm -hmm. You don't hit them back. You know, you don't let your anger come out of the kids. You might, I don't know. It's still, I'm still a bit ambivalent about corporal punishment. I'm not sure it's entirely wrong. But this idea, though, that I could see where it could go wrong really fast. Yeah. And, and if you're going to do it, then you need to pray. Much prayer and fasting for about three days before you go in there. But by that point, you're probably not going to be inclined to do it. And maybe that solves the whole problem. But that's why people used to think about God. was He was just up there looking to smack them mm -hmm. or spank them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that's the case. Although I do think there is a wrath of God. And I think he's right to be angry and there's righteous indignation. That was their awareness. That's all they knew. Because they were children. Mm -hmm. Right. They did not understand. And though they may be adults, they still don't understand. So we do have to stand up for the rules and the law. And we're going to get persecuted. And we're going to do, unfortunately, those things with that in mind. But if you always allow the Holy Spirit again to lead... And if you can get that message across and hopefully appeal to what awareness they have, the divine nature that's kind of been either smothered up, you know, by all of that that's in this world, mm -hmm. the, the corruption of the world, mm -hmm. the carnality. The rules of yeah. religion. <laughs> well, as would to try to win, I think that you're right. Mm -hmm. I think when you apply those in that way of being defensive or you apply those in a way of even being on the offensive, mm -hmm. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty. When you start to pick up a sword in a literal sort of way, you've crossed the line probably. Mm -hmm. You're letting your anger right. lead you right. rather than the Holy Spirit lead you. Mm -hmm. But we don't do that in counseling. We've discussed mm -hmm. that on the podcast before. Right. 
But I do think we testify of, though, what we know to be true and what we know to be right, and we try to do that in a friendly sort of way. So let me shift a gear. Okay. Do you think Balaam had a conscience? Oh, you would pull out some Old Testament story. <laughs> That's where we see this the most. Thank you for giving that one that opportunity. This is where we see it the most. That's why we keep living in the Old Testament, because I could preach just to the, those that are saved and the mature, but they don't need that, right? Mm -hmm. they don't, the ones that understand how the Holy Spirit can lead them and guide them and take them through, and they probably don't need so much the counsel, mine at least. And some might even argue they may be more mature than I am, right, in that way. But we're speaking to folks that are maybe needing encouragement. Mm -hmm. Right. Or maybe because of the struggle that they're in, they're, mm -hmm. they're kind of blinded mm -hmm. in some sort of manner or way. Maybe they're just like the Apostle Paul. Maybe they just felt like, I have to be really strong right now because if I let down in the least bit, then I'm going to lose. And certainly in your flesh, there's something admirable about that motive. Mm -hmm. But it still ends up with wearing out. Well, we see what happened to Paul. He <laughs> he got knocked down off his horse <laughs> and, and was blind. of the flesh. My dad would say that, get off your high horse. <laughs> so he literally was. Did I think Balaam had a conscience? I am picturing the donkey. <laughs> That's where I go with Balaam. <laughs> um Let's see. God, remind me of that. God told him to... No, you're right. Yes, God told him that he could not go. Balak wanted him to go and curse the people, the Hebrew people. And he asked Balaam, and the very first thing God said, no. They're my people. You can't do it. And, right. and I think there was three occasions, maybe more. There was multiple occasions Balak continued to try to persuade Balaam. To curse the people. And every time, Balaam got mad. Three times, yeah. Because every time, Balaam ended up blessing the people. And the third time, it was just beyond any sort of curse. I mean, there was just nothing that was left. It was just very specific. These are my people, as would God would have mm -hmm. told him. And I'm going to bless them and prosper them. And this was as they were preparing to go into the promised land. Mm -hmm. Moses was all mm -hmm. part of that. But, but Balaam did get the donkey talk, but that may have been his conscience. I'm not saying it didn't come out of a donkey, because I believe literally in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that whether it was the donkey talking or Balaam just thinking the donkey was talking, it's the same message. Watch out. There is an angel of the Lord who is protecting the people. And with that, he is going to not allow you to curse them. And if you can't see them because of your blindness, Paul again, get back to the Apostle mm -hmm. Paul, mm -hmm. then I'm going to tell you about it. Now, some I think I've joked with you this way before. Some called me an ass. <laughs> I suppose sometimes things wow. have come out of my mouth to cough. And they've looked at me and looked at me like I was a talking ass. Donkey. But you can't argue the Word of God. And the Word of God is that it's in you to know the difference. You can try to pretend like you don't know the difference. You can try to go around it. And Balaam was a soothsayer. You probably like that Chaldean thing. Mm -hmm. 
You know, that idea that he'd come from that mystical sort of place, yeah. so he had all those sort of uh, Nebuchadnezzar kind of stuff going on. <laughs> Hearing lots of voices. <clears throat> well, it sounds like, now that you, thank you for refreshing my memory on that, I was picturing them trying to get down this road and being blocked, and the angels there, is that right? And, and said so they couldn't get through. Um, Balaam's conscience... Hmm. Did he have a conscience? Well, he kept wanting to go, right? And God kept blocking him. So did he know did he know to do right? Did he know to stop? He kept trying. Three times he kept trying to go forward. So perhaps he was like Paul and thought he was doing right when he kept trying to do something. When in reality, we know it wasn't God's plan. God wanted to bless the people. So, I, I feel like this is a trick question. Um, why don't you answer that for us, David? Well, I, I don't know. It's, it's sort of, again, today's podcast is a boatload of questions. But, but that's, these are tough questions because we could get into the, the rabbit hole on this, and I don't want to do that, but I want to point out how easy it is to get into the rabbit hole on this. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm really wanting to bring to some clarity is don't go down the rabbit hole. You can go down the rabbit hole and it won't win. Mm-hmm. You won't win. There is no win going down. And I know I'm kind of like Balaam. I'm kind of... But I'm not messing with your brain, and, and I wouldn't do this to a, a, a client or a person that come and talk to me. And you wouldn't either. But they do that, and I've got to resist that. Mm-hmm. Right. But number 31, you know, I thought Balaam was a nice guy, right? He mm-hmm. blessed the people. Mm-hmm. He didn't curse God. He did. He followed the rules. Mm-hmm. Going back to Romans 2, mm-hmm. he followed the rules. But in Balaam's mind, right. these people were lesser. These people were inferior. These people, the Hebrew people, mm-hmm. he couldn't curse them because God said you can't curse them, but he sure didn't help them. And worse than that, in Numbers 31, we find out that he set them up. Mm-hmm. Because in that, and Jesus even calls that out in Revelations 2, 14, I think. I, I was, did a little bit of research before we got here to do the podcast. But that's what he did. He seduced them into, or didn't tell them the whole truth, Mm -hmm. told them just enough. He couldn't curse them. But his intention was, let them go. They're going to go out there and majorly fail. Mm -hmm. And they did. They did by intermingling with the people, you know, the the whole consecration thing. God warned them, Mm -hmm. don't don't get into those situations because they they were kids. Right. Don't. Be careful not to go too far romantically when you're a teenager because once you get there and once you do that, go too far physically, you're going to have consequences. It's the same principle. Mm -hmm. And that's really what they did. They intermingled. But they didn't know enough to know enough. And Balaam knew that. And with that, Balaam should have warned. But he didn't. He withheld. That's the only thing I can figure he said everything he was supposed to say, but he didn't tell them the truth. He didn't tell them, don't do it again. And with that, Balaam probably didn't understand, I, how could he, the Old Testament, that there was even a better answer. Mm-hmm. And even should you do it, 
there's forgiveness. But you have to be sure your conscience doesn't get seared. It's kind of like explaining to people there's a gray. Instead of just going with the black or white, they go down the rabbit hole of gray. And I don't like those type of conversations because you go down twists and turns and man, people manipulate and they want to twist to, to fit what their narrative is. Just give me the black or white. <laughs> what does the Word of God say? And then we'll go from there. I know there's details. I know that. But we can't delve in the gray. So you're circumscribed. Not literally. But, but you are of the Hebrew people. You are of the law when you say that. Well, <laughs> okay, so we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. I can't live by just, I have to have the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, and it points out what we do wrong. So your conscience then has been, you've been resurrected, we know that, in, mm-hmm. by the name of Jesus or in the name of Jesus. Right. And your conscience is no longer either covered up or hidden. It's active and alive. Mm-hmm. And with that, then you're speaking out of that conscience as well as the word awareness, Mm -hmm. which probably is part of what led you to acknowledging you needed salvation in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, yes. And then, you know, once we become aware of that, then it's just a matter of time what we do with it, what we do with that choice. The law, I'm not going to throw out the law. I'm not going to say, well, that was then. It, it's still part of me, and it helps me in that it points out, I thought about that this morning on the way to work. I was thinking about the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Honor your mother. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, Lord, I, I kind of struggled with this. And I want to honor my mother. I want to follow these laws. I want to do good. But we cannot... We're never going to be perfect. We can't follow the the law perfectly. And that's why I needed Jesus. And so, though you don't want to go back to being without the law, especially if you've matured, Mm -hmm. if all these operational systems we spoke at about in the first half of the podcast have kind of come together in that optimal, ideal way, the way God intended, Mm -hmm. and it led you to the conclusion you can't do this out of yourself, you can't judge it, it has to come from within you, Jesus, as you pointed out, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You, you let him in. Your conscience then becomes revitalized or resurrected. Well, he was there. I, yeah. I give you that. And, and with that, though, it's operating from within you. And so you can do that in that manner, that way, shape, or form. But we have to almost go back to the way we were when we were kids in our innocence. Mm-hmm. Not that the knowledge isn't useful, But the knowledge isn't useful to empower us to make a judgment. Right. The knowledge is only useful to remind us of what, in a general sort of way, the rules are. Mm -hmm. And with that, then, to always remember to resurrect the Jesus, allow Jesus to be resurrected in our heart, allow the conscience to take over so that we might shift that over more to the spiritual. Now, you could say, well, we're always, I'm in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. Pray without ceasing. We're always constantly in the Spirit. And I do believe that's true. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, though, it is a bit of a battle because your intellect and your human dimension is always going to make you feel shame and guilt. Do we operate in the Spirit? Yes. 
And that's really what we're speaking of. I think Balaam had a conscience. He might have thought he was operating in the spirit because he had a lot of divination on him. He was a soothsayer. He could see a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. He could even have a conversation with God. But he could not see Jesus because Jesus has not come. I gave him that a few moments ago. And with that, neither could Moses and neither could anybody until Jesus came. But once Jesus came, then we could all see Jesus and we have no excuse any longer, Mm -hmm. any of us, Mm -hmm. for choosing the path of Balaam. Even if you want to be high-minded again and noble with aspirations such as Paul, it won't save you. But it doesn't mean that's not useful because it reminds you. Right. Not for spiritual sanctification, because that's in Christ. Mm -hmm. But carnal, my body needs to be reminded. Why? Because I'm full of iniquity and sin. There's trickery in me. There's cunningness. There's deception. It's a bad seed in me. Mm -hmm. Like your friend. All of us are capable of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've just come to realize I need to call myself out on it as soon as possible. And if God's given me a word, he always does. He always speaks to me like he did Balaam. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the angel of the Lord in a threatening way, but I need to see the angel of the Lord in a salvation way. And that gets us back to the donkey. Because mm. on the road, Balaam saw the angel of the Lord. Yeah. You can say, well, was that Jesus? And we've had that discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, people think that's really not. Some people think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But he saw, and the sword wasn't a sword to destroy him. The sword was a one to save him. But Balaam, in his conscience sort of way, missed it. Mm-hmm. And in that, that's the only thing that denies his salvation on a personal basis is when we continue to insist we're better than everybody else, we're smarter than everybody else, we've got it together, you know, we can maybe be a bit sympathetic, maybe even a bit empathetic, we can even pretend like we understand, but we think we've passed that. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) that's not the way God operates. Because when all is said and done, that stuff isn't going to be worth anything. Wood, hate, and stuff, well, not worth a thing. Mm Isn't that what Paul said? All of his, all of his learning and all of his knowledge and, and for what? Even Solomon, you know, all his wisdom yeah. and for what? I, I, there is definitely a place for head knowledge and there's definitely a place for learning and, and gathering. But in the end, it's still Jesus. It's nothing that we've learned on our own. Even about him, it's still just a faith believing like a child. Unless you, what is it? Unless you're like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes. So. Suffer the little children to come unto me. Yeah. So we still have to be like a child in that that we believe just at face value without all of our adult questions and our you know adult thing like we want to make it something so much bigger. And like you said, it just comes back to we can't do it, and we need a Savior. And as much as we might try, as much as we might want to be like Paul, you know, I, I was like that when I first got saved, and I studied, and I had all these, you know, things that I wanted to do, and it was kind of sad because I went in a Bible bookstore, and I asked for a devotional book. I was so hungry 
for spiritually hungry for for God. I wanted to learn everything I could, and they didn't know what they didn't know what I wanted. She couldn't help me. She was like trying to understand what does a 15 year old girl want about learning about you know spiritual things, and and I was just like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more you know that I can consume. Yeah, that's great, <laughs> but unless I let him lead me and be Lord over me. All that was for nothing. Well, it's like the psalmist, too. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm -hmm. But I'll go back to what I said before we took the break. We're living in a time where there's far more children than there are adults, and they don't want to grow up. They're Balaam. Some, Some are just out and out defiant. And I know that that sounds judgmental. And in a very general sort of way, it probably is. But I don't know that I'm judging the person, and it would not be that I work with them every day. They come in every day, and I have to understand that in context of where they are and, and you know, allow the Holy Spirit to guide me, lead me, allow that to be the testimony, not to judge them. Listen very closely to what the Holy Spirit's telling them in their heart. You should go visit your mother, by the way what's going on inside of them, right? Mm-hmm. But that idea, though, is, is that you don't need a talk donkey <laughs> to tell you that, but sometimes you need a talking donkey to tell you that. Mm-hmm. But if you get good at listening mm-hmm. and you get good at then turning your life over to the Holy Spirit and choosing Jesus every day, mm-hmm. every moment that it comes to your awareness, mm-hmm. you serve a risen Savior that's it. Mm-hmm. My sheep know my voice. And when he was speaking to me about that, of course, guilt and shame is on my heels, you know. And I went back to Romans 8.1 because I'm not going to allow myself to live in guilt and shame anymore. And so I sort of allowed him to speak to me. And he, it was like he was saying it's about relationship. It's not about doing. It's, about, it's not about like you know, like a list of things, like a recipe or something to follow. It was about the relationship. Do I care enough? Do I want to invest enough in relationships, even with him? I mean, it just, I take a situation to him and then he applies it. It just mass covers everything. You know, there's, I just love how the Holy Spirit just takes something small and reveal something so much bigger to you that you think you're just talking to him about one thing. You know, he's... It's usually something you don't even think you're talking to him about. Exactly. Is when exactly. it comes. Because that's, that's how where corrupt the mind is. And that's, and that's sort of, you know, where it landed. You know, are, like how much are you willing to invest in this relationship? And so then my prayer was, well, help me to see the value in that. So I'd be willing to invest more in that. Because... In my sinfulness, you know, my sin nature that comes up every once in a while and wants me to listen to it and pay attention to it, you know, sometimes it makes sense. And I think, hmm, that's a good point. You know, I just picture myself that it's been dead and, you know, uh, that life was put to death. But, you know, every once in a while it comes up out of the dirt and it's like, hey, I've got an idea. And so I have to choose to not listen to that. And sometimes it does make sense. And sometimes I think, well, that's not a bad idea. But it's not Jesus. So we have to be more than Balaam. 
mm-hmm. and and even Balaam in the in that sort of general way general way of presenting God's wishes or desires to the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. We have to tell them about Jesus, yeah. and we have to expect they're not going to necessarily receive it. But what they are going to see is not only the Holy Spirit alive in us, and that will stir that up in them, but they'll see that in love. And they'll see that with the strongest of messages, which is the salvation that I think Apostle Paul does talk about, that he learned, that he discovered. Mm -hmm. It's within you. God is, is the one that's going to judge you and direct you and guide you from within. That's the Holy Spirit. But if you allow him to do that, then it's filled full of the perfect balance between the calling out and the forgiving. It's the perfect balance between the Old and the New Testament. But that's really what coming to Jesus is about, is to get that alive in you. And that's what we do in our counseling sessions. Tell our listeners, should they want to, get a hold of us for any purpose, reason, including counseling, how to get a hold of us. You can give us a call, 304-528-9220. Go to our Facebook page and look up Covenants, and you'll find a link to our podcast there as well. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com, or go online, covenantsonline.com. Yeah, not .org. (laughs) I was trying to make it more, you know, like an organization, fancy, but yeah, .com. Yeah, Yeah, we're just... (laughs) So, Carolyn, thank you. Yes. Thank you, listeners, for joining us as well. And thank you, Jesus, for saving us. And thank you, God, for giving us the word. And thank you more than that, just for giving us your Holy Spirit. We were born with it. You gave it to us. You've never forsaken us or abandoned us. The devil just tries to steal in. Jesus, thank you again Mm -hmm. that you resurrect that in us each and every day. So, should our listeners enjoy going through all of this, all the potential rabbit holes that we try to avoid along the way? And with that, hopefully by the end of the podcast, even as you and I experience every time we do it, the Holy Spirit really comes to life in us and sanctifies the word. I would want to invite you back for our next podcast of What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. And in the meantime, be blessed.